God, thank you for Noel. Thank you for the nativity. Thank you that you loved us so much that you left your home, your eternal home, in glory to an inglorious birth as a human child, to an amazing life of struggle, trying to communicate love and truth to people like me, like us, who refuse to believe it. And then the ultimate indignation, Jesus, to to die a human death. Thank you. Thank you for Advent. For the hope that we have not only that the fulfillment of your first coming will be realized in our time, but but especially, God, that, that you might come again. We have realized that we are exactly in the place that those disciples in the first century were as well. So meet us here. Would you open your word to us? I pray that it would be life to us. And God, for those who have walked with you for a long time, who these words are so familiar to, I pray, uh, God, for a fresh awakening, a fresh stirring in our spirits. Meet us here, would you? God will give you the praise and the glory. In Christ's name, amen. Well, um, our scripture is the same one it's been for the last three weeks, but I invite you to turn there again. I'm trusting that uh, what is happening in me is also happening in you, that as you revisit that scripture each week, God opens more doors of your heart and speaks to you words of life. It's in the Gospel of John, the very first words in the Gospel of John. If you are new to the scriptures, you might not have one with you. You are welcome to grab one of those maroon pew Bibles and open it up about two-thirds of the way through. The Gospel of John is the fourth of the testimonies of the impact of Jesus' life. And it begins with these words, the Gospel of John from John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And our verse for today, in Him was life, and the life was the light of man. If you haven't been with us, that's been our memory verse for the past several weeks. We've been kind of adding as we're going along. He's thrown us a couple of curveballs, but I'm trusting that maybe uh, as you've risked trying to entrust that to your memory, God has honored that and has helped you. Would you join me as we read those four verses again? Then I'm going to continue by myself with the balance of our scripture. But you may be able to do it from memory or you may be able to do it from uh, your, your Bible. Um, join with me, would you? ESV, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. Praise God. Good job, you guys. I just continue to invite you, hide it in your heart, and watch what God does as it comes to you at critical moments, uh, as, you, as you ruminate on what he has done. Let me continue if I can. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as a witness. This helps me memorize this. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And John's not holding back. He's telling us exactly why John came as a witness so that all might believe through him. He, or John, was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, and then he explains what that means, remember last week, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love this. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Well, if you're just jumping in with us today, your memory verse is four words long. It'll never happen again. Four words long. In him was life. Will you share that with me? In him was life. Wow. Wow. Consider, would you, life for just a moment. Many of you in your Sunday school classes tried to define it, right? You tried to wrap your brains around this. You tried to put it in words. But it's more than just merely saying that we are living beings, isn't it? It's more than simply breathing or our heart pumping or our brain running, right? It's beyond our intellect to try and explain all the processes that must take place for you and me to live. It's a little overwhelming, honestly, to consider what all is needed for us to truly say that we are alive. But Jesus knows, and, and even better than that, John's telling us Jesus is life. Jesus is life. Did you hear it? In Him, that is, picking up our studies from previous weeks, that is in the Word, right? The Logos, in Jesus Christ, the Creator of the universe. In other words, the original reality, right? In the original reality, who was with God and was God, the absolute reality, John gives us a new, a new piece of information, was life. And I don't know, but I'm, I'm thinking that's the ultimate reality. The ultimate reality, right? In Him was life. Therefore, in the beginning, before anything else was, but God... There was life. Now, this sounds like, like redundant. You're thinking, okay, I got it. I got it about a half an hour ago. How come you're camping on this, Pastor Dave? Because these are extraordinary truths when you think about them. And they have amazing ramifications for you and for us as followers of Christ in our culture today. The, this truth, in Him was life, Him being the Word, that has amazing ramifications for us. What, what are they? Let me just pick a couple of them to, for today. First of all, that, that, that ultimate reality, ultimate reality, I mean, that's what everyone's looking for, right? Authenticity, they're looking for what is real. I'm tired of faking my way through life. I'm tired of, all, of investing in so many things that are absolutely meaningless, right? 
John is telling us that ultimate reality is personal. How does he get there? Well, well, follow with me for just a second. Ultimate reality, first of all, he says, is living. It is alive. We've learned that original reality, absolute reality, and now ultimate reality are alive. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But what does that mean? It means that ultimate reality, God, is amazingly personal. Amazingly personal. Where am I going with this? You can know ultimate reality. Try that when you go back to work Monday, would you? Sidle up to the water cooler and say, yeah, yeah, how are you? I'm fine, yeah. I know ultimate reality. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But that's what God offers you. They might send the guys with white coats after you, but, but, but that's true. If you know Jesus, you know ultimate reality. So, so it's very personal and it has amazing ramifications for your life today. We'll explore the ramifications in a little while. But let me just start secondly here by saying that, that there's an amazing truth here. And, it, and it's going to make some of you mad. It's going to make some of us sad, glad, or mad, right? And, and, and that is this. John is saying unequivocally, unequivocally, that life gave rise to matter. You're going, man, you set me all up for something really exciting and then said that life, you don't realize it yet. You don't understand. Because everything around you is telling you that matter gave rise to life. Are you starting to catch on? You following me? Physical matter, John is saying, does not give rise to life. Life gave rise to matter. Once there was only life and there was no matter, right? Remember our memory verse? You know, not one thing that was made was made apart from Jesus. So if Jesus is life, in Him was life. If Jesus is life, then life existed before matter existed. It's, it's so, so amazing how much in our, our worldview... Uh, uh, it slips in that that life is the consequence of matter or the result of matter when G, uh, John is saying right up front here, right up front. We said a couple of weeks ago that he's given us amazingly powerful truths that took him a lifetime to understand. He's given them to us in 14 verses. But here's the great division between uh, the worldview of the world around you and the Christian worldview. For someone who does not have a concept of God, I, I hesitate to use the word atheist, and I want to defang it for a second, because God loves atheists. Amen? I mean, God loves every, God so loved the, yeah, right? Including people that know Him, including people that believe in Him, and including people that don't believe in Him, don't, don't yet believe in Him, right? One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Him as Lord. But for people that aren't there yet, God loves them. But for a person who at this point uh, is not a theist, in other words, doesn't believe that theos exists, that God exists, uh, for a person who's not a theist, everything begins with inanimate matter and energy, right? That's the theory. That's the worldview. It's just there. Since there was nothing there before to make it what it is, it could have been anything. 
It could have been anything, but our worldview, the worldview around us, just assigned that to matter and energy. It could have been life, right? It could have been life. But, but people who are unwilling to surrender that there might have been this pre-existent creator choose to believe that in the beginning was only matter and energy. They don't know this. That's just the, the premise. That, that takes faith to believe that, just like it takes faith to believe that there was life, right? They say that impersonal matter and impersonal energy are original, that they are absolute, that they are ultimate. Just see what John's doing. <laughs> Things haven't changed in 2,000 years. John is saying, no, no. Before matter and energy existed, there was life. And for, for people taking baby steps toward understanding God, and certainly for Christians, there's, there first was life. Then there was physical matter and energy, right? Let me just go there. God said, let there be, right? God said, let there be water. Is he, do you see what he's doing? He, he spoke those things into existence. He spoke matter and energy into existence when there was no such thing. According to the scriptures, according to John in our passage today. Now, one of the important things for us whenever we wrestle with scripture is to go and ask ourselves this. And I think that it's a doorway for us. I think it's a doorway for us to ask ourselves if, if I believe that. And it's an if, and that's okay. Jesus did this all the time. He put out truths that his disciples weren't yet ready to, to, um, to give their approval of. He put out these truths, but, but, but then asked them, what's the ramification if you chose to believe it? Well, there's two powerful implications if you choose to believe it. And the first one is, is something we see around here all the time. Let me put it slightly differently and, and say there are no ordinary humans. Right? Whenever you look somewhere, when you see a living person, you're seeing, uh, you're seeing an image of an absolute, an ultimate, and an original reality. You are seeing an image of God. Right? You're seeing an image of God. And by our new verse today, by those four words we added today, we're learning that you're looking at, at God's creation. You're looking, to a certain extent, at life. So every person that you encounter is an amazing, well, Paul would put it differently, is a masterpiece, right? Is a poem, is, is a beautiful creation of God. And so as Paul would later on expound on it in, in, in 2 Corinthians, then there's, there's no reason to look at that person any other way than in awe. When you see another human being, you are looking at the image of God. So there's no ordinary people. Paul, Paul said, I'll regard no one according to their flesh, right? Uh, I used to... Think about Jesus that way, but I do so no longer. And as a result of not looking Jesus at Jesus according to the flesh, I don't look at any human being according to the flesh either. So there, there is no ordinary human beings. They're all amazing creations of God. We are all amazing creations of God. And 
I could say it from my perspective. I'll say, you are an amazing creation of God. But I know that that won't land. You have to own it. You have to be able to say, I am an amazing creation of God. Everything, well, several of you just went, no way, Jose. Um, you said, um, I, I've never looked at myself that way. That's how God looks at you. That's how he sees you. you yeah, maybe at one time, the first three seconds of my life before I messed it up, right? No. Now, there's no caveats in there. There's no addendums. There's no things in there where he says, if you behave right, or if you never sin, or do all these other things, none of that is in there. You are his beautiful creation, exactly as you are. And probably, if you're like me, it's a lot easier to believe that for someone else than it is for yourself. So I invite you again this Advent. See yourself. See others as God sees them. Extraordinary. Not ordinary. Extraordinary. Recreations, images of God. It's a powerful implication of the fact that Jesus is life. But here's another one. And it's going to seem contrary to the first one. Apart from Jesus, if Jesus is life, right? Apart from Jesus... If I'm apart from Jesus, then I have no, what? Right? Yeah. Do you see that? And you're thinking, this is getting confusing. And I think there's some help for us in John. Um, there's some help for us here. Apart from Jesus, though, we're dead. We are all dead. There is no life. Well, wait a second. You just said we're alive. Yeah, that's where, that's where we get a lot of help from this passage. What we said, everything we've said so far is beautiful, but it's not John's main point here. What John is trying to say is that if you are going to experience life, you have to be connected with Jesus. There, I gave away my whole message. It's out there already. Um, if you want to experience this, John says, in him was life. And John uses this word life. We're going to unpack it in a minute. He uses this word life 36 times in 21 chapters. 36 times John says that Jesus is life. He's the giver of life. He's the author of life. To Martha, as her brother Lazarus lay dead in the tomb, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the Life, right? John 11, to Thomas, who was bewildered uh, after the death of Jesus, and it was bewildered about death in general and the afterlife in particular, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the, guess what? Life, right? John 14, 6. And to a crowd of people, Jesus proclaims, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy but I am come, he says. He says it that awkwardly in English. I am come that you might have life. And then as we'll see later, and have it to the full. Wow. 
Well, the word that John is using here is a different word than you might be thinking. All this time when I've been saying the word life, you were probably thinking life, right? You were, you were thinking brainwaves. You were thinking all those measures, blood in Jesus' day or brainwaves in our day or a pulse, right? You're thinking of these different things that we call life. But John is using a different word. Uh, the word that the Bible uses for, for that kind of life is the word bios. You've heard that word before, haven't you? Do you know the word biology, right? It's a word, logos, about bios, right? Theology is a logos or a word about theos, about God. Biology is a word about life. But when, when the Bible uses the word bios, it's talking about the, the things by which we measure life. John's used using a different word here. He's using the word um, zoe. Do you know any zoes? Have you heard that? Um, that's, that's the Greek word for life. If it, was a, it had been a Hebrew, they would have called, it's usually a her, they would have called her Eve. Right? But the, the Greek word for that is zoe. And, and now, all of a sudden, John's taken us to a different place. By the way, that's the same word we use in zoology, right? Hear that? Um, we're used to some of these words, we just don't know it. It refers to life as God has it. Life as God has it, not life as human measures. It's, it's the essence of life, not limited by time, not hindered by death. The word Zoe is standing in contrast to a certain extent to the word bias, right? It ref, bias refers to life as, as humans experience it. Not life as God has it or intends it, right? Bios is the duration of life, though. The lifespan, the time between one's birth date and death date. It refers to the necessities of life. Eating and drinking, shelter and, and clothing. And let's be honest. We often take that human life or bios for granted, don't we? Don't we? And then something happens, right? Something intervenes. And all of a sudden, the, the magnitude of that gift is so apparent. I, I've had my cage rattled by several people I really care about. Now suddenly, wondering what the length of those days will be. And, and, and it just absolutely has shaken me because I'm just taking it for granted. I mean, honestly, when was the last time you went to bed wondering if you would awaken in the morning, right? No, probably you went to bed worried about the things that were coming. You just took for granted that God would grant you that bios the next morning, right? As we'll see next week, when was the last time you went to bed and wondered if the sun was going to rise the next day, right? We just take so much bios for granted. But John is saying there's something else that you've got to be aware of. There's, there's new life. There's spiritual life. There's saving life. There's this gift of eternal life. It's the opposite of spiritual death. It's the opposite of, of, of uh, this, this fear we have of sickness and sin and disease and death. It's Zoe. It's, it's life. It's life as God intended it. So that's mainly what John means. The other is true. Bios is critical. It is important. But mainly John has in view the fullness of life that includes body, soul, and spirit. 
Listen to John 5, 24. Jesus says, truly, truly, whenever he says it, he says, listen, pay attention. I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, speaking of God the Father now, has Zoe, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, contrary to what many of us were feeling just a few moments ago, right? I asked you, can you believe that about yourself? You couldn't because you're judging yourself when God doesn't judge you. That way, that's why God sent His Son into the world. It's so that you would not be judged. God has, has sent His Son into the world so that we might have life. And what He's saying in John 5 is that apart from believing in Jesus, we are dead. But when we're able to receive, when we're able to believe, we will not come into judgment. We'll receive the gift of life. That life is Jesus. So let me just anchor something here for later on. Union with Jesus is everything. And, and I guess, where am I going with this? Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So, Either he's lying and we shouldn't pay any attention to him, right? Or if what he said is true, then union with Jesus is critical. It's critical. As, as he said in a different way earlier, coming to know Jesus is critical. Responding to Jesus is critical. Putting into practice what Jesus said is critical. Union with Jesus is everything. That's what John means when he said, in him was life. He means spiritual life, eternal life, life that's saved from judgment. So, so let's go one step further. If this is true, that union with Jesus is critical, if it's true that in him is life, then we've got to use this life to prepare for that life, right? I said it slightly different in your notes because it's, that life is not different than this life. Um, that life is, is God's precious gift to us here. But the, the amazing thing that we have to do is, is use this time in this life. We have to use this Lord's Day to prepare for eternity. I'll give you an illustration of that in just a minute. But let's look at the significance of these truths together. What does all this talk about by us, all this talk about Zoe, all this talk about life mean to us? First of all, Jesus gives you something you could never get on your own. Jesus gives you something that you could never get on your own. I think that the point that John is making is that Jesus brought us into physical life. Remember that? He's the creator, right? But he wants to give us eternal life. And we may know life as humans know it or have it, but not know life as God has it. We can be breathing, as we said earlier, our heart pumping, but not have everlasting life. And the life that Jesus gives is infinitely, the life that Jesus gives is eternally different than the life that we possess now. Jesus wants to give you something that you could not get on your own. You can't do it apart from Him. 
eternal life. Well, you're very familiar with one of the clearest statements of this truth. It comes to us from the same book, just a few chapter, a couple chapters later in John 3. Um, help me here. It's, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? Um, John is trying to pound into our skulls this amazing reality. Now, here, here's... Here's where I live. I'm a curious kind of person, right? Um, I will do uh, anything I can to kind of find out how something works or what this means. And, and I've shared with you before, it's a disease. But sometimes it just makes me come out of my chair. I get so excited about some silly little thing that everybody else in the world understood their whole life. But to me, it just became real, right? I'm curious. I'm a curious person. And we're a curious people. We'll do anything and everything to prolong bios on this earth, right? We'll exercise. We'll eat, right? We'll sleep the appropriate number of hours each night, right? When we're sick, we'll visit the doctors. We'll run tests and prescribe medications and treatments. And if those won't work, we search out alternative approaches. And then we step off the curb and get hit by a truck, right? I always... Well, I almost said it almost kills me. That's a terrible analogy. Um, <clears throat> you read about marathon runners who are just a picture of health. But when the author of life says no more, that health is gone, right? The fact is, for every single one of us, 100% of humans die. 100%. Thank you for that cheerful thought, Pastor Dave. Let's go to lunch. Right? 100% of us are going to die. Just letting go of a dear friend last week. We just had a tough season recently. Um, and letting go of a dear friend, I was at the graveside and, and I like to kind of wander around and, and look at the headstones. And, and uh, I went around that headstone and, and just reflected. She had, Lois had put her, her data on there you know, a long time ago. It's just weird to me to see a, a living person's name on a, on a gravestone, you know. But, but there's just this amazing experience of staring at that, standing exactly at the transition of bios and zoe, right? And I was struck by, by how stark it is on her gravestone, right? There's a birth date, right? And there's a death date, right? And, and, in between is, is a little line, right? And, and that's kind of how we see our lives a lot. We see our lives as this dash, this little line in between. And, 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 and we think that it has a beginning and an end. But is that really the life that, that God kind of intends for us? I don't think it's a, a line with a beginning and end. It, for us, not for Jesus, but for us, it has a beginning, right? But it's like an arrow. Right? It's an arrow that keeps going. And, and, and my problem is that I look at life as this little finite line and try and cram as much into that line as I possibly can. You guys have a nice day. I'll see you a little later. When in fact it's not a line at all, right? It doesn't, it has a beginning, but, but, um, but, 
it doesn't have an ending, right? You never thought you'd see, well, you did, the day that Pastor Dave would be climbing all over the... Oh, sorry, I didn't think about strangling people along the way. This is, this is just a rope. It does have a beginning and an end. But imagine for a second that it didn't have an end. You guys, I'll try not to strangle anymore. You can let that down if you need to. Oh, you got a big knot over me. That's, that's my life right there. Big knot right in the middle of it. Thank you. I got plenty right here. But imagine with me for a second, right, that, that this, is, this is my life. And it does have an end. It's tied because I was, I was afraid I would pull it through. It's tied to the coat rack out there. But imagine for a second that it's not. That it goes on forever around the world, around the world, to the sun and back. That is the life that God is inviting you to. But the problem is that we all look at the dash, which I'm going to represent by the red portion of this for a second. We concentrate on that. And when we're right there, like I am, we, we say, how can, I, mm, how can I maximize this next quarter inch of an infinitely long rope? Do you see the problem? Do you see the problem? We're looking at bios. And God is inviting us to Zoe. Doesn't it seem ridiculous? I know people give you grief. They say, are you, are you stupid or what? You know, believing in this thing that you can't see, right? Are, are you, you know, what's the matter with you? And, and we got some college students in here. They take it in the shorts. They take it in the shorts. People look at them and say, I've had people say to my children, if you believe in Jesus, you're stupid, Right? If you believe in eternal life, you're stupid, right? This is all there is. You gotta suck the marrow out of this two inches, right? John is saying no. John is saying this life is gonna go on forever. Doesn't it make sense to use this to prepare for that? Doesn't it? Doesn't it make sense? That's what John is inviting you to. That is life. I'm just going to leave that with you guys for just a second, if that's okay. Um, wow. That's what God is inviting you to. Eternity. Together. Aligned with, with a beginning, but with no end. Right? With no end. And we do everything we can to, to extend this little portion of our life when all the while Jesus is crying out, is calling out, is inviting us to receive what we could never get on our own eternal life. That's the life that Jesus is inviting you to. So he's giving you something that you could never get on your own, but he's giving you something incomprehensibly better than what you deserve at the same time. He gives you something better than you deserve. What is the word he used in John 10.10? We said full, didn't we, Marianne? I give it to you in the full. Probably the better word would be abundantly. I am come that you might have life and have it abundantly have it to the full, have it pressed down, shaken together and flowing over. That's what Jesus 
promise is not all, not only, it would be enough, not only eternal life, right? But before that happens, He promises you an enhanced life right now. Right now, an enhanced life while you're here on earth. The kingdom of God is not out there. It is here. Life is not just out there. It is here right now. And that life is not only eternal, it's abundant. It's abundant. Jesus quantifies this life. Overflowing. Pressed down, shaken together. The word means to have a superabundance. It means to be more than the container can possibly hold. You all know people like this, right? You all know people that just seem to be so full of life that it overflows. You say, what is it about you? What is it about you? And they say, it's nothing about me. But I found a source of life. I found Jesus. And Jesus makes all the difference. Jesus Gives me life beyond my wildest dreams. Who doesn't want that kind of life? Who doesn't want abundant life? If, if, if we have any sense, we should be saying, point me to it. And, and I just want to invite you back next week, because next week, right here in the next verses, the back half of four, five, six, and seven, he's going to show us how to do it. He's going to point us to it. But my question for you today is just simply this. Do you want enhanced life now? Do you want eternal life? There's only one way to get it. There's only one remedy for our sin. We saw it last week. Let me just accent it for a second. In verses 10 and 11 of our passage today, he shows us where the focus really is when life comes into a spiritually dead world. He says, Jesus was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, verse 11, and his own did not receive him. So as we saw last week, life became flesh and dwelt among us. And the world that he made and and the people that he chose, chose not to receive here. I think that John is talking about the world in general, but also especially God's people. And translated to our culture, he's talking about people that don't know him, but he's also talking about you. His precious daughters and sons, the church of Jesus Christ. He's coming for us. Jesus is God's answer for our deadness. As we saw in John 3, when, when one godly man who didn't know Jesus came to him by night and says, I don't understand. I know that you're of God. I just don't understand how you can do the things that you do, Jesus made it ultimately clear. You must be born again. You must be born not just of bios. That's, that's a gift. I created you. Now, I was in that. But you also must be born again of the Spirit as well. God's answer to our deadness is new birth. It's new birth. So everything Jesus says hangs on being born again. And let's go there just briefly because we're going to camp on this next week. Let's go there briefly for a second. How does new birth happen? How do we become these that he spoke of at the end of that, that are born of God, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God? 
Jesus tells us, John tells us, in Him is life. Will you say that with me again? In Him is life. And that life is never disconnected from Christ. How do we have the Son? We receive Him. How do we receive Him? By believing in His name. How do I believe? You say, yes, Pastor Dave, I want life. I want to know that I have that life. How do I believe? Look steadfastly to Jesus Christ. Look only to Jesus who is life, who laid down His by us for us. And, and something will happen. Something will happen. You'll begin to realize that the willingness to receive Him is rising in your heart. We believe that God is sovereign over your life and that God gives even the ability to believe. You'll realize that this willingness to receive Him is rising in your heart. You'll realize that that's a gift of God and and you'll begin to believe. And in that believing will be born again. Remember the question I challenged you earlier. If, if I risk this being true, what would, what would I need to do? Risk it. Try it. Risk. Saying, God, I think he's crazy. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you, if you really exist, to make yourself known to me. God, I have no frame of reference for this. But if you will offer yourself to me, I will receive you. I will believe on Jesus' name. And watch what God does. Watch what God does. Thank you, God. And you, We know, we knew all the whole time that you loved us. You loved the world. But God... We doubted that you would love us. And we steeled ourselves. We protected ourselves. We, we built walls around ourselves so that we wouldn't have to be hurt, God. That we wouldn't have to feel the pain of rejection like so many other people have rejected us. We couldn't bear it, God, if we put our weight down on you and then you rejected us. Thank you for John's words. Thank you for this amazing truth, God, that, that Jesus came for us when we were helpless, when we were poor, when we were absolutely powerless to do anything in and for ourselves. Jesus came and revealed to us the life of God. God, for those who've never put their weight or their faith down, on Jesus, we put it in all kinds of other things, the worldviews around us, what we saw in the news last night. Um, but we haven't put our faith down on Jesus. Would you give us that mustard seed of faith? God, would you allow us to risk saying in our hearts or with our mouths, Jesus, if you are truly the way, if you are truly the truth, if you are truly the life, if what John said is true, then I receive that. And I believe 
that. And I surrender my life to you. Oh God, thank you. Thank you that it's that simple. We just have to believe what you've said. But God, I pray also for those of us who've known you for a long time and for whom faith has become old hat. It's become a a sequence of propositions that we give intellectual assent to. And life, God, has become a burden rather than a joy. Jesus, would you come again to us? Would you grant us fullness of life again? (laughs) I'm thinking of Ebenezer Scrooge, God, but may it be said of us that we understand incarnation. May it be said of us that we understand Christmas. May it be said of us that we experience life abundant and overflowing. God, I know that that's true. Then you'll take what is poor and broken and powerless and you'll make it something amazingly beautiful. So whether we're meeting you for the first time today, God, or whether we're renewing our our commitment to the real meaning of Christmas, would you fill us with your presence? Would you fill us with life? And God, We will give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.